Amen. So The Grave Defeated is the series for this month, and uh, we thank God for, for all that He's doing. Uh, we just celebrated Easter, and, and, but you know, how many of you know we don't have to just uh, hold Easter to the Easter celebration just to that one day? We celebrate always the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Because of His resurrection, we're here tonight. Because of His resurrection power, we are here, and we're going to get into this here, and we just thank God for all that he's doing. I want to share a scripture with you out of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and this is the scripture that we, will be, uh, that we will use as a springboard for the entire month, and this is the, uh, the scripture for our series, 2 Timothy 1.10. The Bible says this, it says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death. Isn't that good news tonight? He broke the power of death. Thank you, Jesus. And illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. That is so powerful. That is so key in our lives that he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life. He did that when he resurrected. Now, without the resurrection, the Bible says that, that our faith is in vain, that our, the preaching and everything we do would be in vain without the resurrecting power. The resurrection is key. It's the cornerstone of our faith, the resurrecting power. And as we celebrate this month and always the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we look in the, the Bible and Throughout the Bible, cover to cover, it's filled with miracles. And yes, even those that were raised from the dead. And while we read about this in, in the Word of God, we can't forget that the same power is available to you and I. God, God didn't, didn't conclude these miracles when, when the last book of the Bible was written. No, it's available for you and I here in this year, 2021. The resurrection power is available for you and I. And whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance you may find yourself in, the resurrection power is available for you and I. The same power is living inside of us. Believer, it lives inside of you. It lives inside of you, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That should allow us to be able to go through any situation and understand the power that's within us, not of our own strength, our own will, but the power of God lives inside of us. Now listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and 11 says. It says, And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right, with God. Don't you thank God for that tonight? You've been made right, been made right with God. That's good news. That's awesome news tonight. All the things that you and I did, all the sins and trespasses we committed throughout our life, the Bible says here that you have been made right with God. That is a profound, profound truth. In verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It lives in you. Next time you're fearful, you're battling thoughts or circumstances, and you're not, you're not sure of what is truth and what is not. This is, the scripture is for you and I. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit 
living within you. You have, believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We have to understand that. We have to know that. That's everything. We have to know that. You have this power. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now, why is this good news? It's good news. It's awesome news for a few reasons. First of all, because our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. We could sit here in the house of God. We could come into the presence of God and worship him with, with, with a clear conscience, with a right mind, because we've been forgiven. It means that we have the hope of heaven that we look forward to. Talking about the resurrection, that one day that we, because of sin, because of the sin that entered the Garden of Eden way back, truth is we're going to die one day. Physically, we're going to die, but spiritually, we'll never die. So we have the hope of heaven to look forward to. That is also great news tonight. But it also goes beyond that. It means that the things that may be in your life that you have counted is de as dead and no longer, those things can resurrect as well in Christ. The promises that God made to you, maybe through circumstances and trials and situations. And I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit starts to bring to remembrance these things, these promises that he's made to you, yes, possibly even many, many years ago. And because of our failures, because of decisions we make, we're human, we make decisions because of circumstances and situations, perhaps betrayal, we cast these things off and we say that, Lord, maybe one time that promise was for me, but because of what I've gone through, because of what I've done, I've let it go, and, and I don't believe in that any longer. And yes, we could even sit in the house of God and have those thoughts. We're here, we're singing, we're worshiping, but there are promises that God made to you and I through situations and circumstances that, yes, you may have tried to forget, but I'll tell you the good news tonight. God has not forgotten about those promises he's made you. Years ago, those things that he's spoken into your life, that he's deposited into your heart, he's not forgotten about them. Despite our failures, our shortcomings, he's not forgotten about them. And there's an example in the Bible and. The example of Joseph, I think about Joseph who, as a young man, he, he had dreams and revelations that, that he would be in a place of position. And we know the story that he shared these things with his brothers, and his brothers, they didn't give him a pat on the back and say, hey, hey I'm, I'm excited for you, I'm going to be praying for you about that. No, they were jealous, they were envious of him. And those that were supposed to be closest to him, his brothers, they sold him into slavery. And they even lied about him. They told their dad that, that he's been killed. And they created this scheme to, to, to make it look like he was dead. And they sold him into slavery. And in the course of time, he was sold into slavery. And then he, went, he even went to jail for his honesty. He was betrayed. He was lied about. He went to jail. And I, and I think and I wonder if Joseph in this, this, the, the very lowest point of his life, if he possibly doubted the things that God promised him. And I believe he did because he asked the Lord, why have you forsaken me? And see, God promised him something. God gave him revelation, but through circumstances and through trials and through hardships, he had forgotten about that. 
way back in Genesis 37 is the chapter where he was given these dreams. And then as you fast forward in Genesis to Genesis 45, through all the turmoil, through those chapters, his life was a roller coaster. He was sold into slavery. He was betrayed. He was, you know, he was, he was, he found himself in Egypt. And as the promise was fulfilled, he became the governor of Egypt. See, he may have forgotten about his promise, but God didn't forget his promise. And tonight, you may have forgotten the promise that God made to you because of different circumstances, but I'll tell you what, God has not forgotten what he's promised you. The same power that, that God showed you way back then is still in effect today. It said that Joseph was 17 years old when he had that dream, that revelation, and he was 30 years old when he, we, he became governor of Judah. Powerful. See, sometimes we flip the, the pages in the Bible and the scriptures, and, and we just think that things happen like that. But it takes years sometimes. But God was faithful. God was faithful to Joseph. And tonight, we're going to see in the word of God how he's faithful to you and I. And I want to speak a message tonight on vision revived. We're talking about resurrection and, and, and vision revived, those things that God has shown you, has given you. Although they may be dormant, although you may feel that they are disqualified, that you've been disqualified and they are no longer, I want to talk about vision revived tonight. The first thing that we have to do is we have to remember. Remember what the Lord has shown you. And again, I pray tonight, and I've been praying, I've been believing that the Holy Spirit is bringing to remembrance these things that he's showed you many years ago that have been lying dormant. And again, because of the way life goes sometimes, right? We throw it out. We think that it was for a time that was in the past, but it's no longer. The promises of God are yea and amen. Can you say amen to that? Do you receive that tonight? The promises of God for your life are yea and amen. Now in Matthew chapter 16, we're looking at the revelation that Peter had here. Peter was a, a disciple in Matthew 16, verse 16 through 19. The question came up. Ask, Jesus was asking, who do you say that I am? Now in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you were blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven, now listen to this, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. There was a revelation for Peter right there. You did not learn this from any human being. In verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Such a profound revelation that the Lord gave to Peter right here. And tonight I pray that we remember the the visions and the promises that God has given us for our family, perhaps, for your family, for your family's salvation. That you and your household will be saved, perhaps for your children. Perhaps there are those tonight that are in this place and you have wayward children that have made a decision to go about their own way and they've, you, you've raised them up in the things of God, but they've decided that, no, that's not for me at this time. I'm going to go do my, my own thing. But you have a promise tonight. You know what the promise is according to, to the word of God? As you have trained up your children in the way that they should go, they will, when they get older, they will not depart from it. 
Now, those are the promises that we have to look at tonight. Those are the promises that we have to hold on to because situations will come up. They may end up in a hardship or in, in, a, in a difficult place. Perhaps they may become incarcerated or they may be uh, hurt out there in the world or through, through all these situations, but we can never forget the promise that God has given us that as you have trained them up in the way that they should go, they will not depart when they get older. That's a promise for you tonight. You've been praying for your children. God's been hearing your prayers. And he's working in your children's heart and their lives. Even though you're physically not able to be there with them, God is there with them through the Holy Spirit, and he's working on them. Perhaps he's given you vision for your career, dreams and ambitions, God-given dreams and ambitions for your career or for your ministry. He will remind you of these things, and I believe tonight he's reminding you. He's faithful. He's faithful to perform that work in your life until the very end, as the Word of God says. And he will remind you. In John 14, 26, Jesus talks here about the promise of the, the advocate, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Isn't that amazing tonight? Have you ever been in a situation and out of the blue comes a, a, a scripture or, or, or a godly thought. You're in a circumstance or perhaps you're talking with, with someone and, and a scripture comes out or something to share with them. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Reminding you of what's been deposited in your life, the scriptures. That's amazing. We have to rely on that. We have to just trust in that, that the Holy Spirit in the time of testing and trial will give you the words to speak. In that situation, he'll give you the... the, the the strategy to handle that situation. The Holy Spirit will remind you of all things. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. He will remind you. We have to hold on to his promises. When you're in the valley, when you're battle-fatigued, you're weary and you're spiritually tired. You've been trying and trying to remain faithful and, and, and live according to God's word and pursue his promises to pursue him. And sometimes we get tired and weary, but in Hebrews 10.23, the Bible says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. You can trust in God. The promise he's given you, you could trust in it. 110%, you could trust in it. His word will never fail, ever. God's word will never fail, ever. Hold on to his promises. Now, we understand that we have an enemy, an enemy that would desire to steal, kill, and destroy the very promises that God's given you, the word of God that he's deposited in your heart, the promises that he has bestowed upon you. The devil would come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. In John 10.10, 10, the Bible says the thief's purpose, purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We have to hold on to the promises of God. Why? Because the devil would love to just come and take those promises away and cause you to forget, 
cause you to feel disqualified, cause you to feel that there's no use trying anymore. There's no use trusting God anymore because you failed one too many times. See, that's what he'll whisper in our ear. He'll try to convince us of that, that that promise is, is no longer that you've been disqualified, that you're out. There's no use trying. Why even come to church anymore? He'll tell us that. See, what he's doing, he's coming to kill, to steal, and to destroy your destiny, the promises that God's given you. He wants to destroy it. He doesn't want you to get to, to where God's called you to be. He doesn't want you to see his promises fulfilled in your life. So don't be surprised when the assaults come. Don't be surprised when you start possibly going through mind trips and, and head trips because he hates you and he wants to, to, to deter you from the path, from the straight, narrow path. We have to hold on to God's promises. When we start to rely on our own thinking and we start to open ourselves up to these voices that are speaking to us, it'll ruin our day. I'll tell you what. Hold on to the promises of God. There are some tonight whose vision is possibly hanging on by a thread. You feel like you're hanging on by a thread, but as tonight as we're talking about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I believe that there are going to be things in your heart that are going to be re-revealed, that God, those things that are dormant are going to be raised again because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. God has seen your faithfulness. He's, he's seen that you have stood for faithfulness throughout the years, and I believe tonight is going to be a turning point for those tonight that are believing in that. Amen. We have to remember, thank you, Jesus. We have to remember and we have to resuscitate is the next thing. Now, resuscitate means that you revive someone from an unconscious or apparent death. Resuscitate. God's given you promises. He's given you visions. He's given you dreams, just as Joseph. And through situations, again, and through failures and through things that we go through, I believe that God wants to resuscitate those things, to bring them back, to bring them back to the forefront, to, to let you remember that God gave you a promise and he's faithful to perform it. Now, the question I, I have for you tonight is going to take some insight and for us to look inside, but the question is, where was it lost? And I ask you this question tonight personally in, in, in your own heart. Where was it lost? Where was it damaged or affected? We go through things in life. Man. Joseph trusted his brothers. They were his brothers, and they, they betrayed him. They stabbed him in the back, and they, they sold him into slavery. Imagine that. If, we were to, if Joseph was here today, and... and we were able to conversate with him and ask him these questions. And if he had any battles, internal turmoil about his vision and what God's given, I, I imagine that he may have said that I had a hard time with that when I was betrayed by the very people that I thought were supposed to protect me. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a powerful passage here regarding the man of God, Elisha, the prophet. Now, I want to read a few verses with you tonight because we can take so much truth from this, this passage regarding what God wants to do regarding the promises in our lives and the visions he's given us. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. 
The Bible says this. It says, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him. Here's what they told him. As you can see, the place where we meet you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told him. Go ahead. In verse 3, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees, okay? So they got to work. They had this vision. They had this, this desire and this dream. They wanted to, to do this thing. So they went out. They, they got to work. In verse 5, but as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Elisha said in verse 6, where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. So we're getting, we're getting the picture of what's happening here, right? He lost his axe head, and axe heads, I'll tell you what, are, are metal, right? We understand that. So it sank to the bottom. So Elisha, here, God performed a miracle through him. Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Listen to this. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Verse 7, grab it, Elisha said, and the man, of, the man reached out and grabbed it. And through the course of time, God's given you vision, and, and perhaps you were serving God, and you were, you were applying yourself to the, to the things of God. You were chasing after him. He was your treasure. He was your pursuit. And you were, you were pursuing all that God had for you. But through different things and situations, perhaps you lost it. And Elisha could have easily, with God's power, could have easily understood where it fell, and he could have went himself to do this. But he asked him, where did it fall? Where did you lose it? And I submit this question tonight to you, believer. If there are things in your life that God had once revealed to you, and, and perhaps you've given up on those things, I, I ask you, where did you lose it? Were you betrayed? Were you hurt? The kingdom of God is all about working with people, and working with people can be a messy business, can it? Because why? Because we're messy, right? We have our hang-ups, our, 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 our attitudes, our, our personalities, all these things. And so when we are working with people in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's all about people. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes the very ones that we're trying to help will, will, will bite back or they may backstab us. And there could be a time where we just try, we wash our hands and say, I'm done with this. I don't need this. All I need is Jesus. I don't need any, any else, anything else. And the man of God asked him, where did it fall? God has a promise and a desire to fulfill the things that he's promised you. But he asks you tonight, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot, and the axe head floated to the surface. That man remembered where it fell, and he showed the man of God. And in verse 7, we see the response of Elisha. He said, grab it. Pick it up. Take it. 
It's not for me to take. It's the promise that God's given you. It's the revelation that he's given you, that he's spoken into your, into your life. And tonight what the Lord is saying is it's time for you to, to pick it back up. It's time for you to grab it. Perhaps you're, you're, you've, you've, you've lost faith and hope that, that your children can be saved or you lost faith and hope that your family's going to be saved or, or at your job you were believing God for something but it's too hard and you've given it up. Tonight the Lord is telling you to grab it, to pick it up. Why wait? God is a miracle worker. He will move mountains for you and I. It's time to pick it up. And the man reached out and grabbed it. And tonight, I believe you're going to respond tonight. You're going to respond to the challenge, to the voice of God telling you to pick it up again. Yes, you've been betrayed. Yes, you've been hurt. Yes, you've gone through that difficult situation and circumstance, but it's not God's design and desire for you to stay defeated and just to lay down and die. The Bible says that, says that a wise man will fall seven times, but what will he do? He will get back up again. I thank God for that tonight in my life. I thank God for that truth because that means there's hope for me that I could still go forward and I can go on. If it's in your power to go back there into that situation and fix it with God's power, do it. Don't be afraid. God will give you the power. Or perhaps that situation is long gone and there's nothing else you can do. And you know how that applies to you tonight. You have to just give it to Jesus and you have to go forward. And see, Paul had this situation. There was something in his life that he sought the Lord three times about. Something in his life that he wanted God to take out. Like he was carrying something. He called it a thorn in the flesh. But what did the Lord tell him in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Don't we have things in our lives? Man, we're praying about God. Just take this thing away. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. We pray and we pray. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. If God desires, he's going to take that thing from you. He could do it. He could do it in a moment. He could do it in an instant. But perhaps you've been praying about that situation and you still find that you're in that situation. What's God's word for you and I? My grace is sufficient for you. I'm with you. I could, I could, I could turn the tables tomorrow. I could do it tonight. But he's working something beautiful in our heart. He's developing something. He's developing something. Have we forgotten how pearls are made? how pearls are made there. It's a small irritant in that, in that oyster. And over time, it, it creates something beautiful. That small irritant, those irritants in our lives that, that we would pray that, Lord, just take it from me. I can't do this. But God's telling you, my grace is sufficient for you. Be patient. I'm working something beautiful in you. The reward of you enduring this, enduring this thing is greater than if I would deliver you today from it. Because if I deliver you today, you're the same person, but God's taking us someplace. He's working out something beautiful in our life. His grace is sufficient for you and I. We have to resuscitate. Sometimes when we settle for second best and, and we cast off the promises of God because it's too hard or because it's taking too much time, we find that sometimes we live in the mundane and we settle for things that God hasn't desired to give us. He desires better for you and I. We settle for the familiar. Now, the, the Bible says in John chapter 21, verse 3, I love talking about Simon Peter because God did so much in his life, and he was so human. He was so human. He was so real. And in John 21, 3, 
We see here Simon Peter, after Jesus died, after he denied him three times, what did he do? In John 21, 3, he said, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, his disciples said. Now, here was Simon Peter who walked with Jesus Christ. He saw miracles. He saw powerful miracles. He saw people raised from the dead. He saw the blind healed. He saw so many things as he was with Jesus. So his Lord and Savior was set to be crucified, and he denied him. And he saw him die. He saw him die. And what did he do? I'm going fishing. Where did Jesus call Peter from? What was he doing when he called him? He was fishing. That's what he was doing before Christ, we can say. Before he got the commission to follow Christ. So he, he said, I'm just going to go fishing. And sometimes we do that. It's gotten a little too hard. We've been defeated or, or, or betrayed, and we say that I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to go back to what, what I used to do because I'm sure about that. And although it's second best for me, although it's the familiar, I feel safe doing that, and I'm going to settle for that. But that's not God's desire. God's desire is that you would chase after him, that you would follow him, that you would experience all the things that he has for you. Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, and they caught nothing all night. Isn't that how it goes? We run from God, and we don't do things God's, God's way. We, we spin our wheels. And church, life is, your life is too precious just to spin your wheels. You're too valuable. Time is too precious for us to just waste time doing things that, that God's not desiring us to do. It's time to let that vision be resuscitated. The promise, it's not dead. Maybe it's just dormant. Maybe through circumstances and trials, you've forgotten about it. But tonight is a time for that change. And lastly, we have to resume. We have to resume. We have to get back on it. In John chapter 21, here we see as the disciples themselves saw their Lord and Savior, the Messiah, killed, crucified, and died. And as Peter here said, I'm going fishing, I'm going to go back to what I used to know, we understand and we can see that God is present. Yes, even in their circumstances, he was present. And, and, and tonight, in your circumstances, God is much nearer than you feel. God is close by. He's right there with you. Although we can't see him sometimes, he's never forsaken you. He's never left you. He's never departed. He's right there with you. Now let's look in John 21, verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. He's close. He's closer than we think, and sometimes we see. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, and the picture is that the disciples were out there fishing, right? They, they were fishing all night, and they caught nothing. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, there are some miracles in our lives. There are things that take place that we see God all over it. Man, God, I saw, I experienced this miracle. Lord, I know it's you. But can I tell you that there are things that are at work in your life, son and daughter of God, that God's working and you don't recognize what he's doing. Some things we recognize. But the things that we're praying about for God to take away from us God is in it. God is, 
God is working that out. Now, the promise that confirms this in the Word of God is Romans 8.28, that all things work out for the good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So everything's working out for the good. That is, that is your promise. That is my promise tonight. But the disciples couldn't see who He was. And sometimes we don't see what He's doing. In verse 5, He called out. He said, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Going through the motions. Praying for success, wishing for the success, but as we settle for second best, we're not seeing any fulfillment. We're not seeing any success. Why? Because it's not what God has for you. That you've forsaken what you know God's called you to do, and you're settling, and sometimes we spin our wheels. So no, no success. No, they replied. In verse 6, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. And still they didn't, they didn't know who this was telling them. So, so they did. So they did. So they did. Obedience. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. That's good news tonight, isn't it? That is a miracle right there. So here we see the, the word of God come to them, and they responded, and they did it. And what was the result? They couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Here's an example. Some, some of you are praying for a financial breakthrough. Maybe you're in, in some, some financially difficult circumstances and you're praying for breakthrough. Now here's God's way of doing it. God's way of doing it is, is saying, pay your tithes, be faithful in your tithes. Give me what's owed to me, the 10%, okay? Be faithful in your offerings. Be faithful, handle your finances, God's saying, as I've taught you to handle your finances, See, what we do sometimes when we rely on the arm of the flesh is we, we try to hoard everything, right? And we try to hold on to everything. But God gives us a different way and tells us to give. And he tells us to, to be faithful in our tithes. And what does the Bible say? That he will open up the windows of heaven that, that pour out a blessing in your life. That what? There will not be room enough to receive it. And we see the exact circumstance taking place here in the book of John. They had no room to receive it. They couldn't haul it in because it was such a big catch. While you're praying... Such, and I say this gracefully, such small prayers. God, help me, help me pay my rent. And that's a real prayer. I'm not, I'm not belittling that. God, I have this bill. Help me to pay that. But God is, 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 desires that as you faithfully seek him, as you trust in him, he is going to help you, yes, pay that bill. He's going to help you pay that rent. But he's going to give you above and beyond. He's going to pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You're going to be able to pay next month's rent. The next month, you'll be able to pay rent for an entire year with what he wants to give you and I as we do things his way. So they did it, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. You have vision, you had dreams at one time, God's going to resurrect those things, and he's even doing it, yes, right now. Receive that resurrection power in your life, in your heart tonight through Christ Jesus. Jesus says in John 11, uh, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. That power is available for you and I tonight. And as I close... As we close with Peter's story here, I want to jump to Matthew chapter 4. 
And guys, I don't know if you have this scripture, so apologies for that, but uh, Matthew 4.18, the Bible says this, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Okay, so we're taking it back to, to when, when Simon was first called, all right? Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. Do we see? So now we're going back to the beginning. They were doing the same thing, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. In verse 19, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, he says, and I will show you how to fish for people. Here was the first conversation, the first conversation that, that the Lord had with Peter. He said, follow me. Come, follow me. And what did Peter do? Peter dropped his nets. He dropped everything. He lost his livelihood. He dropped everything. Sometimes people can rag on Peter because of his shortcomings, but I'll tell you what, at the command of the Lord, he said, follow me. He dropped everything he knew, and he went to follow Jesus. That's faith right there. That's obedience. Can you say amen? So he dropped it, and he went to follow the Lord, and he, he was with the Lord learning from him, following him. He saw miracles, and, and, and the Lord, he was his master. He was his Messiah, as he said. And through the span of time, Jesus starts to talk about his crucifixion, and, 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 and the disciples were, were perplexed. And then it, it turns out where he was betrayed by Judas, as we know the gospel story. And Simon Peter was, was sure of himself and said, Lord, even though the rest of these may betray you and deny you, I will never deny you. Isn't that what Peter, Peter said? He told him that. He told Jesus, I'll never deny you. But as Jesus was there on trial, people started to recognize Peter and say, didn't you walk with Jesus? Weren't you one of his disciples? And he denied it. Not once, not twice, but three times. His disciple, the very one that was supposed to, to serve him and to be there with him, through thick and through thin, who even proclaimed his own surety that he would never deny Christ, he denied him. Not once, not twice, but three times. And at that moment, what does the Bible say? That he, he heard the rooster crow, and he, he remembered what the Lord told him. So he denied him. And imagine how he felt. Now, we see the beautiful plan of reconciliation that the Lord has for you and I. Now, he denied him three times. And as we look in the Bible in John chapter 21, we see where Jesus interacted and he approached Peter and he asked him three times, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Peter, do you love me? He asked him a third time. And Peter was distraught. Lord, why are you asking me three times? See, we see the beauty of how God got involved in Peter's life, how Peter denied him three times. The Lord asked him three times, do you love me? The Lord is a, is a, a God of reconciliation. He desires, if you feel that you've, you've gone away, and yes, possibly you've betrayed Jesus, you've turned your back on him, the Lord gets right there with you, and he wants to work it out. He wants to see you follow him. He wants you to experience all the promises that he has for you. And as we go full circle in John chapter 21, verse 19. Let's turn there. John 21, 19. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said this, said this to let him know 
what kind of death he would glorify God in, okay? Then Jesus told him, follow me. Follow me. Jesus called him with that command way in the beginning. He said, follow me. Peter betrayed Jesus, betrayed the one that he was called to serve, but the Lord still says, follow me. And tonight, if you're in this place and you feel that you've betrayed the Lord and you've made one too many bad decisions, you know what God's word is for you tonight? Follow me, he says. He doesn't say, get away from me. How could you? How dare you? How dare you deny me? All I, after all I've done for you, Peter, he gracefully asked him, Peter, do you love me? He said, follow me. And tonight, that's God's word for you and I. The vision that God's given you, the promises, we don't chase after the promises. We don't chase, chase after that. We chase after Jesus, okay? As we chase after Jesus, the promises that he's given us, he's going to fulfill. Why? Because he is our treasure. Sometimes we can get too caught up in the blessings. We want this and we want that. And I'll tell you, if we chase after Jesus, our resurrected Savior, our King of kings and our Lord of lords, all the promises that he's bestowed upon your life will come to pass. Why? Because you were seeking him. You were seeking the blesser, not the blessing. You're seeking the one that gives the treasure. You're, giving, you're, you're seeking Jesus. And that's what we have to do tonight. Follow him. You're not too far gone. He remembers his promises for you. Follow him. He says, follow me. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to teach you. I'm here to give you the strength. He says, follow me tonight. Thank you, Jesus, as our worship team makes their way up tonight. You receive that tonight? Let's give God praise tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you're doing, God. We thank you for your holy word, oh God. We thank you for your truth, Jesus. We thank you for your resurrection, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. God is such a gracious God. He's done so much for us. He's so long-suffering. He's so patient with you and I. And the very fact that you and I are in his presence tonight is proof that he is a loving God. He had every right to cast us off, to cast us out because of our sin. But through his loving kindness towards you and I, he stands here with open arms and he says, follow me. Come unto me. He says, let us reason together. Though your sins were as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. That is God's desire and God's word. So if there's anyone here tonight, as every head is bowed, every eye is, uh, every eye is closed as we pray.